Now, when I'm very good and do as I am told, I'm Mama's little angel and Papa says I'm good as gold. The stars are ageless. You brought this on yourself. Imagine that you're sleeping and someone in the dark slowly approaches your bed. They reach out a finger, they part your lips, and stick those fingers in your mouth, getting in knuckle deep before you even wake up. That in itself is a horrid enough image. But does your reaction change if the fingers belong to an old woman? Decrepit, sagging flesh is not what I think of when I think of my grandmother or myself aging for that matter, nor is it the first image that comes to mind when I think of exploitation films. But there's something I've been noticing in contemporary horror films, how much and how openly they've been obsessing over the bodies of older folk. Of older folk. I'm not exclusively talking about women here, as you'll see later in the episode, although it has mostly been a phenomenon centered on female bodies. So, while more general films have been celebrating older actresses for their starring roles in action films, thinking of your Michelle Yeohs and your Jamie Lee Curtises, your Helen Mirrens, Horror has been really getting into showing older flesh as something to be feared and disgusted by. In films like M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit and Old, as well as The Taking of Deborah Logan, in Ty West Slasher X and the Madcap Juggernaut Barbarian, both of which I've covered on the Final Girls podcast before, as well as the Spanish films La Abuela and Viejos, that's the grandmother and the elderly respectively, the central focus has become how creepy old people are, just for being old. This is hackspotation like we've never seen it before. It's fleshy, it's gory, it's almost medical at times. And it's kind of a bad vibe. Welcome to the Final Girls Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Bogutska, and in this series of the Final Girls, I've been journeying through the oft-forgotten, under-discussed, and very commercial genre known alternatively as hack horror, psycho biddy, grand dame guignol, or just plain old hacksploitation. In this episode, the penultimate of the series, I'll be covering several films that have come out over the past decade and that seem to pinpoint how hacksploitation has evolved from a genre focused on the psychology of older women to one focused on their bodies, and namely, how gross they are. I like a lot of the films I'll be discussing in today's episode individually, but When you look at them all together in this way, they paint a confusing and somewhat exploitative picture of how contemporary horror has taken the wrong lessons from the original exploitation, which was, as I've extensively discussed, a problematic genre. 
Let's start with the earliest examples. The visit and the taking of Deborah Logan are two sides of the same coin. Both films came out around the same time with a year's difference. Both are found footage horrors and both have the elderly as the primary source of fear. Please beware, I will be spoiling both films slightly and they both have great twists in them, so proceed with caution. Throughout this episode, you'll hear from culture writer Billy Walker, who I interviewed because she wrote a couple of really excellent pieces on the recent rise of exploitation in horror films again. After a series of deeply and serious disasters like Lady in the Water, The Happening and The Last Airbender, early aughts horror prodigal son M. Night Shyamalan redirected his once promising career. The Visit is a small, contained film that reinvents the Hansel and Gretel fairy tale for the found footage generation. In the movie, the children of a woman estranged from her parents go to visit their grandfolks for the very first time in their lives. At first, Nana and Grandpa are convivial, a bit kooky, but in a regular kind of way. But things quickly get very weird. The kids spot the grandma wandering around at night and under the house, naked. She crawls towards the kids like some sort of long-haired insect. They find shit-filled... They find feces-filled adult diapers piled up and stinking in a room of the house. At one point, Nana tries to strangle herself with a scarf and puts one of the kids into the oven. There is a reason for this strange behavior and not a supernatural one, but I will save that reveal for you to watch the film. Hey, letting all my heat out. Meanwhile, The Taking of Deborah Logan is another clever little found footage horror that combines the supernatural with the very real ordeal of people suffering from Alzheimer's disease. Again, the film starts with the adult daughter of the titular Deborah, who, strapped for cash, lets a graduate student film her mother, who is suffering from Alzheimer's, for their research project. Deborah, we're told, was a young widow who figured out an ingenious work-from-home business being the town's switchboard operator. It's archaic technology now, of course, but it did mean that Deborah could transfer calls, hold the town's secrets, and it's a detail that lays the groundwork for a great little twist at the end. Massive spoiler alert here, Deborah is revealed to be not simply sick, but actually possessed by the spirit of a murderer who was going to kill her daughter to complete a magic ritual. Deborah, due to her job as the town's switchboard operator, learns of this plot and kills him first. Go Queen. The film spends a lot of time tiptoeing around is it or is it not supernatural, and it does that by showing Deborah in increasingly troubling scenarios. For many of these, she's naked. Now, I'm not being a prude here, but the way that she's filmed makes her deliberately look crone-like, all thin limbs and flowing robes that make her appearance even more gaunt-like. 
And in the moments where she's going feral and attacking people around her, she's filmed in an almost animalistic way. You could absolutely read this as the film's way of visualizing the way that a disease eats away at your body as well as your mind. But considering how little time we get to spend with a cogent Deborah, how uncomfortable she is with the idea of being filmed by a bunch of students when she's in such a debilitated state, and within the framework of Hardcore, I feel more sad than scared. Deborah in the film is played by Jill Larson, an actress mostly known for her television work on the soap All My Children. And the tension of the film is built on seeing Deborah in increasingly unseemly situations, meaning that we see her increasingly naked, increasingly incapable of holding herself, losing her faculties. The tension that both the visit and the taking of Deborah Logan build is based on the same idea. These old people are acting very weird. And isn't that creepy? Of course, there's also the familiarity that a mother or a grandparent would have that disappears, both with the very real disease of Alzheimer's and with potentially supernatural intervention. Both films flirt with the otherworldly, especially when it comes to filming the bodies of Nana in The Visit and Deborah in The Taking of Deborah Logan. They're both framed as almost insect-like, very often filmed naked in really vulnerable situations, with the horror supposedly being the fact that they are wrinkly and old, as opposed to the helplessness of a person very capable of taking care of themselves suddenly losing the ability to do so. Jumping ahead... Between 2021 and 2022, two Spanish films came out that both had the elderly as its stars and as its monsters. Paco Plaza's La Abuela, the grandmother, begins with a severe-looking woman finding her friend's dead body on the floor of her apartment in Madrid. Shortly after, the same woman, who is the titular grandmother, Pilar, suffers a debilitating stroke, and her granddaughter Susana, who's a model, is called to come and take care of her. Desde ese momento, su abuela es una persona parcialmente dependiente. Necesitará ayuda para muchas cosas. Pero puede mejorar. The film pays much attention to the process of elderly care of how difficult it is for Susana to reconcile this person she grew up with with the limp, frail body that she's now taking care of. Equally, the film gives a lot of attention to Pilar's wispy hair, her wrinkled hands, and her physical frailty. Pilar is essentially immobile throughout the film, completely mute, but still a chilling and off-putting presence. The actress Vera Valdez, who plays Pilar, is a Brazilian model who has been steadily working since the 50s for designers like Christine Dior and Coco Chanel and posed nude for a magazine well into her 70s. And I imagine there's a certain level of comfort that she brings to Pilar's nude scenes. And in the film, there are a lot of them. 
Pilar's body is filmed constantly, filmed naked, being bathed and moisturized and cleaned by her granddaughter. And while Susanna treats her with care and sensitivity, the film's horror scenes also seem to be centered on Pilar's body. And the source of that horror and that tension is not that this woman is losing her faculties. I mean, as an aside, how could we possibly know? We don't really get to see her be herself at all. But to be in this very bodily contrast between young flesh and old flesh. In one scene, Pilar gets naked and spies on her sleeping granddaughter. The camera frames her bodies very differently. It glides over Susanna's body as she sleeps, but it often severs Pilar's, showing just one wrinkly buttock, one elongated H-stained finger, or just her mouth, always murmuring something. The message seems to be, one is appealing, and the other is, ew. Elder body horror, it seems, insists on isolating body parts to make them creepier. In 2022, I saw a film that really struck me. Viejos, or The Elderly in translation, is a Madrid-based reimagining of the invasion of the body snatchers. And exceptionally, The Elderly is not centered on an older woman, but an older man, Manuel, who starts exhibiting troubling behavior after his wife dies by suicide. Convinced that she is about to make her return and forced to move into her son's family flat, where he is very much not welcome, Manuel's erratic behavior turns violent and very strange. He picks at his own flesh constantly, trying to cut out something that he believes was inserted into his chest. And he's not alone. Contrary to other modern exploitation films, it seems that the weirdness is happening to every single elder person in Madrid. Everyone is being creepy as fuck, behaving weirdly, and staring at young people. All of this weird behavior leads up to a magnificent and bombastic finale that I won't spoil for you here. Do try to seek out the film if you can. Interestingly, perhaps because it is not just focused on a single character, but expands it to the idea of all the elderly in a given town, it widens the scope of body horror. But it is still coming back to the same trick of just showing an older body to create disgust and revulsion. In many scenes of the film, even when they're just sitting there, looking off into the distance, the elderly are creepy just because they're old. The film is said auspiciously against the backdrop of one of Madrid's heatwaves inching closer and closer to 40 degrees. And listen, I used to live in Madrid, and the heat waves are no joke. It's like living in a microwave. But it also becomes the film's reason, justification, if you will, to show more flesh, sweaty, uncomfortable flesh. And while everyone is suffering the heat wave in the film, there is much time spent showing us how undignified it is to be sweaty and old. 
There's another horror film that came out the same year, the German pseudo-zombie flick titled simply Old People, which traffics in a similar kind of imagery. In the film, the old folk that live at a retirement home are treated appallingly due to lack of funds and care, and for absolutely no reason, all of a sudden go on a killing spree that is decidedly zombie-esque. Before they go full zombie though, there are multiple shots that are literally just panning around a room where older people are standing, sitting, looking off into the distance, looking miserable, but not doing anything. I watched this film in the middle of writing the series and I kept thinking, is this enough to be scary? Am I supposed to be scared of mute older people sitting around? not doing much? It's not even really trying to make an effort. These elder body horror films seem to all go back to the same visual. They seem to revel in the image of older people losing bodily autonomy and self-control. There are flirtations with the supernatural, like I mentioned before, Nana scurrying around like she's a horror Spider-Man, Pilar steps echoing through her Madrid apartment, Deborah Logan seemingly possessed by a demonic spirit. The old people of old people who don't even get a name, they're just this mass of flesh, are filmed like zombies without makeup. There is also a suspicious new interest in shit. A new obsession, which was never didn't used to be around as much, which is with feces um, and incontinence in general. Um, there's also often the the naked woman's body. No one wants to be in that situation, but sadly, it comes to a lot of us. Um, and it feels like the most demeaning way of doing it is to put it in as a horror trope. They, there's a few as well now. The way they put the they also have a male counterpart, right? So X and the visitor they both have an older male figure as well but they are never as terrifying as the the female in the grandmother pilar is revealed to be a witch who has engineered this whole mess to take over her model granddaughter's body and to continue on living with her bestie who has done the same to her granddaughter the implication is of course that they've done it for years Again, we are back to that staple of hack horror, to youth and beauty, not health, to youth and beauty that the hags desire, and the absolute incompatibility of older and younger women. Circulating around the internet is a 35-second time-lapse video that shows the 20-something Mia Goth being transformed into the elderly Pearl. In X, Mia Goth, in X, Goth plays the dual role of Pearl, a strange old woman who lives on a remote farm with her husband Howard, and Maxine, an aspiring porn actress. Ty West's X, a 70s set slasher that is a better Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre requel that came out the same year, is a sleazy, sweaty, and really fun romp is sleazy, sweaty, and really fun. Full disclosure, I liked it a lot. 
But I do have to agree with Billy's disdain for it when she mentions in her excellent article for Little White Lies titled The Fourth Feminism of the Hexploitation Boom that while it might, quote, claim to promote sex positivity, its empowerment has an age limit. In X, a group of hot and talented young people rent a remote farmhouse to shoot their X-rated masterpiece, hoping to cash in on the booming porn business. They are, as one would expect from a slasher, promptly slashed to bits by either Pearl or her husband Howard. Pearl's motivation seems to be that she is very, very horny, and since Howard has a bad heart, he needs to kidnap providers for her. While the young'uns are shooting their porn masterpiece, Pearl becomes enthralled by them, particularly by Maxine, the self-assured young porn performer, and even one night climbs into her bed to look at her and fondle her. It's a scene not dissimilar to the one in The Grandmother, young flesh versus old flesh, attractive versus disgusting, titillating versus repulsive. The added layer, of course, is that Pearl and Maxine are played by the same actress, so it's a young woman cosplaying an older woman's sexuality that is painted, as Billy very much outlines in her article, as perverted. Or dead. She'll go rot when people find out what you've done. Time is now. For if we do not take control of our own the Lord shall do it for us. You don't think I know who you really are? I saw what you did in the barn. You deviant little whore. You're insane. You want to know just like me? Time to turn our backs on sin and make the commitment. I'm nothing like you. Once and for all. You're kidnapping, murdering sex fiends. I'm a fucking star. The whole I world is going to know my name. I will not accept a life I do not deserve. I do not deserve. And then there's Barbarian. Again, in isolation, I loved Barbarian. I had a great time with it and discussed it in depth on the show. And although she is not the villain, the monster in Barbarian is an older woman, always naked, with sagging breasts and shaggy hair, who never gets to speak because she never learned how to speak, who only screeches and with almost supernatural strength tries to mother any adult person that crosses her path. Hey! Come get your baby! Referred to just as the mother in the credits and subsequent coverage of the film, she is sort of the worst example of the points that I'm trying to make in this episode. She is all body, no personality. She has a backstory that is explained to us through other people. She is the monster, even though she's not the villain. She never gets to speak. 
and at the end, she needs to be eliminated. These new films seem to me to be fascinated with the female body as an object of death. The hag is not a person who is rageful or psychotic or greedy or too out there in any capacity like she was in the 60s or the 70s. She is just reduced to a body. Sometimes a body that is presented to be closer to a corpse than to a living being. When we spoke, Billy pointed out several times that a lot of these films don't let their hags speak. And she's right. I wish I could plug in a clip of Pilar from The Grandmother. A young Pearl is given an incredible monologue, but old Pearl mostly just looks around and rubs herself up against things. Deborah Logan, who does speak at the start of the movie, loses the ability to do so pretty early on, mostly screaming through her scenes. And, like I said, the mother and barbarian doesn't get to speak at all. In fact, she never even learned how to speak. Then I would have loved to see the monologue that Pearl gets, that Mia Goth gives in Pearl, um, in X, like because it would just be great to see a bit more like, yeah, this is why I'm pissed off. Cause you just, you're not wrong. Like you can be pissed off and um, <laughs> it's not like you have to age um, gracefully and like be really at peace with where you are and how your life's gone. Um, I just would like to see it from, from them. Perhaps because these films are so concerned with the vicissitudes of aging, there's not a movie star in sight. With all due respect to Mia Goth, who I do believe is on her way to being a fucking star, especially in the horror scene, in X, when she's playing Pearl, that is a lot of makeup that we're seeing. It's not a real person, and it's definitely not a real older woman. What's interesting to me is how this fixation on the body separates Haxploitation, the new Haxploitation, from the movie star. These hags are completely removed from celebrity. They're not recognizable faces or names that conjure up any pre-existing ideas or expectations. There's been a lot of conversation over the past few years about the death of the movie star. Whose name can be above the title? Whose star persona can open a movie successfully? Who can carry a whole movie? Who can carry a whole franchise? Since intellectual property has basically supplanted the movie star, the answer is no one, really. What's always been appealing to me about the Haxploitation films is how they used and maneuvered around the movie star as an institution and around our expectations as an audience. The best hack films often subverted or exaggerated these ones. The best hack films often subverted or exaggerated these expectations. A movie star is not a job title, but it is a position that carries with it a lot of power. And I don't mean power over audiences or charisma or all that public-facing stuff. I'm talking about the power that that name recognition brings behind the scenes. What roles to do, what to show, what not to show, where to draw the line. These are all decisions that are often negotiated by people who have a public image to uphold, by movie stars. 
What's interesting that while movie stars flocked to television in general, and specifically American Horror Story was turning up the glam and the psychosexual vibes as I explored last episode, horror films turned to character actresses, to relatively unknown faces, and turned them into freak shows. Aging is universal, inevitable, and like a lot of changes in life, scary in its own way. While I really like these films individually, when you look at them together like this, they are all fixated on just showing an older person's body on camera and assuming it's going to be gross and horrific by default. And that feels like a fundamental misunderstanding of both body horror and exploitation. I think it does and it doesn't. I think in some ways there, I mean, there's a lot of bodily fluids. It's like, it is focused on the body. Um, but I think one that one, they're often the, the hag exploitation films are often much more formulaic than a body horror film. I think body horrors asks way more impressive questions about gender and sexuality and, um, yeah, lots of lots of things, and I think one of the things that annoys me about exploitations films so much is that they there is so much you can do with horror, right? There's so much exciting questions that you can ask, and and also just like even if you stick to a formula, you can still stick to more classic horror formulas, but ask great questions about grief and um, violence and everything like that. So. And the the thing is also that stuff of like aging them up, right? So they're never just, or they're rarely just older actors that um, look like that in the first place. They over-exaggerate what aging looks like um, and turn people that are, I mean, the the weirdest one to me is turning Mia Goth into a a 80-year-old woman. Um, And yeah, because that just feels like you couldn't even give an older woman that character because you almost knew that it was so demeaning that you didn't want to hire an older actor. I mean, I'm sure there's other reasons that they chose that, but that's how it felt. The word demeaning has come up a lot throughout the series and perhaps most throughout this episode. And it's definitely one of the things that people tend to bring up when they talk or think about a exploitation. Although let's be real, has anyone thought about exploitation as much as I have for the past few months? I'm not sure. But that was also the central question. Are these films good? Are they interesting? Are they adding something to the so-called discourse of women and horror? Or are they just plain old exploitation? Well, the original exploitation formula played around with the pre-existing celebrity of its leading ladies, the elder body horror of the last decade not only has not cast well-known actresses or real older women, in the case of Mia Goth in particular, it's also not really bothered to give them characters. Considering how fascinating and rich the subgenre of body horror is, and the opportunities that it can afford to explore the realities 
often very taboo and unspoken realities of living in any kind of body and one's relationship to it, it seems like such a missed opportunity to use the bodies of older women as just straight up sources of revulsion and never try to give them a character that is worthy of watching, of listening to, of engaging with. There is a limit to how much I can connect with a character that is just presented to me as a walking corpse with everyone else talking around them. Yes, give me body horror. Yes, give me elder body horror. But give me a character that something truly fucked up is happening to. Aging is scary. But like I said before, it's also inevitable. So why can't we explore that? Perhaps it's difficult to get a movie star, since they're in such short supply, to commit to doing something truly out there and grotesque. But it doesn't mean that all actors are not up for it. Is there then a way to do a hag horror right? Even a sentence like that seems to be a contradiction in terms, but I do think some films get it right or at least evolve the hag horror formula into something more contemporary, more interesting, and playful. And I think there's something really powerful that can be found in horror's exploration of aging, whether it's subtextual or the main theme of the film. So next week, in the last episode of the series, I'm going to try to answer that question that I've had since beginning research for this series. Is there a way to do a modern hack horror ride. Thank you so much for listening to the Final Ghost podcast and this penultimate episode of our series on hags. Thank you to Billy Walker for her time and you'll find a link to her article in the show notes. Meanwhile, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at AnnaBeDemented and you can always dive into our previous seasons where we have covered witches, vampires, female monsters, and teen horror. Next week's episode is going to be the last of the Hags episodes, and I'll be wrapping up this series with a deep dive into the contemporary hag horror films that have done it right. And yes, that means I'll be talking about Ma.